You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. Today's episode is not only special because I'm hosting... <laughs> but because we are celebrating Self-Made Strategies' 100th episode. Happy 100th! Thank you. <laughs> I am Sarah Lopes. That's right, the missus. <laughs> and I will be your guest host for today, because what better way to commemorate this momentous birthday than to interview the man himself, Tony Lopes, my husband, the founder, and the usual voice behind the questions. Our founder is a man who wears many hats. Not literally, though. He has been successful as an auto technician. He has sling bottles as a bartender. He has showed promise as a budding retail salesperson. And he wanted me to make sure that I tell you that he was an associate manager. (laughs) 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 Only six months after starting at the the company. And then soon after, three months later, he became manager. He also later went on to law school. He worked full time by day and attended school uh, in the evenings. He made Dean's List. He graduated. He self-studied for the bar. He passed the bar. He went to law school to get a master's in tax law. And then decided to start the Self-Made Strategies podcast. (laughs) (laughs) While working as a full-time attorney. Somewhere along the way, too, he planned our wedding and dealt with all that. But I won't get into that because this list is getting very long. (laughs) Since then, he's also launched his own law firm began teaching intellectual property law and entertainment law at Temple University's Fox School of Business and produced a new podcast for a nonprofit organization. That organization is Today's a Good Day, which helps families undergoing a NICU journey. Here for your listening pleasure are the self-made strategies of Tony Lopes. Now, we asked um, some past guests to... uh... (laughs) Yeah, past guests, fans of the show... (laughs) supporters to ask the questions (laughs) so this question was asked by jared fenton how do you do everything you do relatedly what are your self-made strategies Ooh, that's a tough one i guess um i don't know (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah it's uh it's sometimes a challenge for sure it helps if you have severe adhd which luckily i do um you know, it, it does come down to organization is is the key thing. Uh, that's one of the biggest things I've learned from doing 99 of these before uh, before being the guest on the 100th, um, which oddly was no less preparation, believe it or not. But um, yeah, it just comes down to staying organized, to staying really focused on uh, prospecting your guests well in advance, to having a lot of things in the queue um, so that you know, the spinning plates don't fall. Uh, That's part of it. Sometimes, obviously, things get a little chaotic on occasion. Sometimes you're up till three in the morning on a Wednesday because you need to edit an episode for that morning's launch. Um, But knock on wood, I've been able to do it 99 times so far. (laughs) We'll see if the 100th one works or not. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, uh, I pulled it off again. Um, Yeah, it, it really is just... I've gotten better and better and better at being able to do two things at once, 
Only you, two? Are you disagreeing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should ask my wife whether or not I'm successful at it or, or See, not. See, this but. is why I wasn't going to ask any of my own questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to be honest. The thing that made me more, most nervous, quick tangent, is that um, I might lose my job after this. <laughs> we may have a new host after tomorrow. Uh, yeah, so it, it really comes down to just staying organized. When I started the podcast, as an example... I knew that because I was practicing law full time and doing everything else that I was doing, um, you know, trying to network, trying to prospect, trying to uh, build a law practice or a book of business. If you prefer to go that traditional route, I don't really look at it that way. Um, It's all about staying organized. Just really was the, the biggest thing I had to do. And. And, you know, it forces you to get better and better and better. I think the more you do things, it's like any other skill that you just work on over and over and over again. You just get better at it. And um, it kind of started with listening to audiobooks while doing other stuff, oddly enough. And that I don't know why you're laughing. That That's what kind of made me realize, wait a minute, I can like kind of double dip on my time if I find like strategic ways to put things together. So. I guess that's sort of the the big one. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. Exactly. That's why I'm laughing. (laughs) Well, now you know how the madness inside of my head works. Uh, But yeah. I realize you're answering questions that are coming later right now. Whoops. (laughs) Anyway. Well, did that answer the question? I don't know. (laughs) How Um, do you do everything that you do? (laughs) Does that answer the question? Yeah, it's also leveraging... And I don't mean that in a negative way or in a bad way, Um, you know, kind of paying it forward before and without any expectation. That's that's not right. Hold on. It's kind of collaborating with other individuals that makes everything really possible at the end of the day. Um, You should just say it's all thanks to me. (laughs) All thanks to my wife. I'll cut that. I'll cut it right there. It's all thanks to my wife. Jared, thanks for the question. Lots of collaboration with my wife. This is going to be like an Abbott and Costello or a Honeymooners kind of thing um, podcast episode. No, but it really does come down to uh, being collaborative and building genuine relationships with people that then will eventually uh, help you out. Now, part of that is certainly the genuine side of it, right? You do these things with no expectation. You help other people out. and then. You know, it just kind of naturally happens. I mean, a lot of my law practice is built on referrals from other people that I've worked with or that I've given referrals to or or that I've connected people with. And um, it comes from that. Just, you know, people surprise you with their generosity when you're generous to them. Uh, Mike Leary of 115 Films, who's been a guest on the show, who's co-hosted a lot. Certainly one of my best friends um, has been a huge help and influence in my life. And uh, that's part of it, right, is just finding the right people to include in your circle. And things just naturally happen, I think. Um, In terms of like multitasking and stuff, honestly, most of the times it's like being on the Carson show with lots of spinning plates and and lots of chaos and and madness lots of eye rolling from me yep uh <laughs> for sure um 
But that's really it. It's just kind of staying one step ahead of the chaos. Uh, I remember I was talking to Kev Schmidlin of the Philly Who podcast. Shout out to him because he's also been a, a big influence and just mm-hmm. um, someone to collaborate with on occasion just when you're thinking things through. And I remember him jokingly saying um, that I was like Frank Abagnale and catch me if you can, because I just had to stay like one step ahead of everybody else, kind of. Uh, And and that's kind of part of it. I mean, studying for the bar, like self-studying, that's another maybe that's part of where it came from. Um, And I know, like, if you're not a lawyer or law student, you may think that this doesn't apply. But there's strategic tips in here that you can certainly take from my experience regardless of the field that you're in. And that is that when I was preparing to study for the bar, I just being candid in part didn't really have the funds and in part didn't really want to spend three, five, seven, ten thousand $10,000 on a study course, you know, whatever the course is that you choose to study from. And, um, I decided I needed to get those resources though, or I'd be at a huge disadvantage. So I spent a lot of free time on Google, just like tracking down images that were available on Google for free of like the study calendar. And so I literally compiled all of the resources that I could find and kind of put together my own course. And that's kind of how that happened. And the podcast, same thing. I started recording it in, I think, December of 2018, if I'm not mistaken. and. We launched in March of 2019, March 21st, 321, easy to remember. And uh, we've managed to release an episode every week. And that's in large part because I recorded, I think, 11 episodes before we launched a single episode. And there have been times where it's been down to the wire, certainly not many times, but um, that's how you stay ahead. You just have your way ahead of things. That's been the key to success was that staying ahead of the eight ball. I'll try not to comment too much because <laughs> <laughs> this may get personal. Luckily, no, I no. edit these episodes, so uh, I can clip anything I want. Well, there's I think there's a lot more to it, but I think you've said enough. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, another one of Jared's questions, which I really love. He's got a few <laughs> a few questions yeah, that are great guy. <clears throat> very good questions. Um, and I'm actually going to switch it around because he asked, uh, how are you such a smooth talker? <laughs> how do you approach networking? But uh, the smooth talker part is, uh, is, is <laughs> resonates with me quite well. <laughs> so that's how I've kept you around. Um, yeah, it, it goes back to genuineness. It, there's no trick. There's no... Um, I will say that you can train yourself, for lack of a better term. Uh, you can certainly become more eloquent mm-hmm. or or not that I'm calling myself eloquent, more outgoing but, as well. uh, but yeah, you can certainly become more outgoing. It's like anything else. If you went back and please, please do, but please don't go listen to episodes one through through 10. And I know that's a question coming up, too. <laughs> so uh, I won't answer that part of it yet. But it's like anything else. Right. Uh, I remember uh, adding video to the podcast was actually a huge fear and hurdle for me. Um, And in part, and I know it seems like I'm going on a tangent, I'll bring it back. But in part, that was I had heard other people say, just start recording yourself with your phone or start, Mm -hmm. you know, 
recording it in the mirror kind of thing so that you're talking to yourself. And yeah, it's uncomfortable, right? When you're first doing it. But at the end of the day, it's the more reps you put in, the better you get at something, the better your muscle memory gets. And honestly, it came in part at a young age because, you know, just being at like a high school dance or something, you know? Yeah. Look at you. you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it just comes with that, you know, kind of Kool-Aid guy blasting through the wall, going into the breach, just not looking back, you know, burn the ships. You're at the networking event already, or you're on a Zoom call already. And, you know, you have this opportunity to meet someone new or to learn about someone new. And if you do, and you take the time to genuinely do it, magical things do happen. Uh, but it's just, it just comes from reps. It's just, it's yeah. just from time and really genuinely listening to people. That's yes. That's, I would agree. Genuinely listening to people is very, very important. Caring about what they say, um, is extremely important, but, uh, it also helps that he used to get into trouble at school for talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> Taking me to the dark days of elementary school where I was, you know, set aside from all the other kids because that's how they dealt with uh, someone with really bad ADHD. Um, yeah, it's, well, you know. No, I, I mean, my point is, uh, all joking aside, is for some people it's more natural than it is for others. But from personal experience, being the opposite, this being my worst nightmare I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. This would, right. I would have blacked out. I would never do this. But anyways, knowing that with practice and kind of just gently easing yourself into it, you can become much more outgoing and much more comfortable in your own shell. And yeah. it, it, you, know, you get to a point where it is easier to communicate to people and to talk to people. You just kind of have to do it. Um, yeah. But anyways, that's... Yeah, you... you <laughs> The interesting thing is you kind of like embody a character if you think about it, right? Me? No, no. Okay. People in <laughs> well done. Um, this is the girl that could, could not speak in front of an Italian class in college like 15 years ago. You blacked out. That, yeah, I did. Yeah. I know I'm kind of outing a story here. That's but, okay. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm equally uh, impressed by by you and by your propensity to grow. And I think that's one of the things we admire about each other is we're just constantly two type of people that are constantly searching for ways to grow and improve um, every bit of, of our lives. And I think that's part of it too, is, yeah. you know, if you have a natural propensity to just kind of um, be introverted, you can learn to embrace the, the what would be the dark side for an introvert. <laughs> Uh, but equally for me, you know, obviously I'm very extroverted, extremely extroverted and, you know, COVID has been tough because I can't interact with people quite as much. Jim, wonderful for me. <laughs> I don't know, but on occasion you got to put up with me going stir crazy in the house. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's the same thing, right? It, it's learning to have a learning to adapt to something that can help you to grow. And taking that growth mindset and just being curious about it and trying things. And I think the biggest thing, and this kind of comes from meditation, we're going off on a little bit of a tangent, but the biggest thing is just not to judge yourself mm -hmm. and to really just love yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to go up to somebody and um, I'm just going to start a conversation. And 
you know, if you ask them about themselves and get them talking about themselves, that's usually a better approach mm -hmm. um, for somebody who's struggling with networking with other people or with talking to other people. Just ask questions, but they have to be ones that you're genuinely interested in, right? Because right. we've all been at a networking event or at a party where you're talking to someone and they ask you a question and the second you start to answer it, they start looking around the room. And, you know, it, it's that kind of thing that I think leads to some negative experiences. Well, you also, I mean, I admire this about you. I, that stuff for me is no, no, I am not a networking event type of person. I, it, it just, I can't do it. It's not my, my cup of tea. <laughs> I will go to them, but I am not a fan. Um, but it helps for you, I think, as well. You just have a more of like, it's in the past. It didn't work out. It's in the past where oh, yeah. I will take things a little more personally. If somebody's not nice or rude or, or does what you just said, it's like, oh, my God, what did I do? How, you know, it, it's it hurts in the moment. I, I think no matter who you are, it's kind of <laughs> like, what the hell just happened here? Right. Did I do something to offend them? Um but yeah, you're you're right that I'm I consider myself very fortunate in the sense that I have very much a what's the worst case mm -hmm. that can happen kind of thing. And the worst case is they shut you down or mm -hmm. they ghost you or they say something rude. And, you know, uh, there, it certainly hurts in the moment. I don't, I don't think anyone can say that it doesn't. And if they do, maybe they're lying to themselves and others. But you just you kind of brush it off and move on to the next person. And and I think that kind of positive approach also helps mm -hmm. uh, in general, because if you take it like begrudgingly and personally, it just makes you more negative. Right. And then the next uh, interaction that you have with somebody is probably going to project that negativity or that like fearfulness as well. Um, it, it's not an easy thing that that part of it's not easy. I think for anybody, it's not easy for me. It's it's you kind of have to psych yourself back up. It's like getting whipped in the face with the double dutch rope <laughs> and <laughs> to get back in there again. You know, it's kind of like there's that fear, but you just have to remind yourself that you were good at double dutch at one point. And, and also a lot of times that the people there are going through the same fears that you're going through. And then on occasion, you have somebody who's just rude and. It is what it is, but yeah, I mean, everyone usually, I don't think you are, but <laughs> I would imagine most people at an at, ooh, at a networking event um, is a little nervous because you're there usually to network. There's, even for me, there's that initial like ice in your veins moment, like, right. you know, butterflies in your stomach or, or whatever, you know, sweaty palms, uh, kind of thing then the adrenaline pumps but then the adrenaline pumps it's like double dutch i'm telling you double dutch is the perfect analogy for this because you got a group of people they're over there they're doing their thing you know and you just you got to get in there and you gotta if you've ever seen people double dutch it's you got to psych yourself up before you get in there and then you're you know you're spinning around and you you got your moves going and, and that's it. that's that's it it's Explains the double dutch method i've never been able to double dutch so there you go <laughs> well, neither have I. I'm really I'm making it seem like I'm an Olympic level double dutcher. I am not. Uh, but that's that's a good analogy. Just you got to just dive. Just in. do it. Face your fears. Move on. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I love tangents, obviously. Um, you know this, but the listeners don't. So I'll share this story. When I was at Temple, I, I in undergrad, I did not know how to swim until we went to Temple. Mm -hmm. We had to take a kinesiology course. And I thought beginning swimming. 
Sounds mm-hmm. like the perfect opportunity. And this was a huge fear for me, by the way. I mean, like mortifying mm-hmm. fear, right? I was afraid of deep water. And and heights. And heights, yeah. <laughs> Didn't help, right? Yeah. So I take beginning swimming. And you got to take the course that fits within your schedule, right? You can't like be picking and choosing. So I take beginning swimming with with a great instructor. She was great. And uh, she was actually a master's student and a, and a TA. She was fantastic. And but I couldn't tread water to save my life. I was at the three foot side of the pool, you know, the three foot depth side of the pool where you've got the other people that are taking swimming as like a joke course because they're like they've been swimming their whole lives and they're taking this for their easy A. And, you know, I'm terrified. And, you know, you learn how to front crawl and all these things. But you get to a point in the course, and I think it was the midterm where everyone had to dive into the deep end of the pool, Mm -hmm. uh, just sitting off the edge, by the way, not even like off of a board or anything, just like literally sitting off the edge and just fall into the pool. And I was trembling, could not do it, could not do it, completely frozen. And I, I just remember she's trying to like coax me into the water and couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it. And at some point, she just goes, Tony, you either dive in or you fail. Kerplunk right into the water, right? Because at that point it was like, well, all right, you know, what do I got to lose here? It's either it's death by one way or the other. So I dove in and, you know, you kind of I luckily had already at that point learned somewhat how to swim and resurface. I got myself back up and kind of, you know, patty doggy paddled over to the edge of the pool And that was a huge moment in my life. Mm -hmm. That was just a a big, like overcoming a fear. Um, It's a huge lesson. And that that's kind of it. And it's from that point forward that I started to think of things as like, what's the worst case scenario? That's not that bad. Whatever that scenario is in your mind, that's not that bad. Somebody has it worse. So after that, it was all that. And then funny story, which you may or may not know was me being me. You you know this about me. I always bite off a little bit too much, way more than I can chew most of the time. And um, and so I'm like, man, I love diving into the pool. So I dive back in, you know, and like two, three times. And now at this point, you know, me being foolish and kind of going above and beyond, I start diving like from my feet now instead of like sitting. And then I remember the one dive, I kind of slip and just went head over heels. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the deep end of the pool oh and like God. took a solid dive deep into it and like got turned around in the whole nine yards. And obviously, like I, I kind of pushed off and kicked back to the surface, but it was a shocking moment. And it was like, all right, hold your horses there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you just started doing this. Let's not go all uh, Michael Phelps. But but yeah, so similar approach. I think if you and you know this, you, you know this. Um, I say all the time, what's the worst thing that can happen Mm -hmm. is they can say no or they can, you know, kind of embarrass you in front of three or four people that you may never see again. So, you know, at the grant at the end of the day, love yourself, appreciate who you are and and know that you're the best version of yourself that you can be. And then just go and share that with people. Well said. Yeah. Let's That's see. the smooth talker in me. <clears throat> that is a smooth talker in you. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> we're like, we're not going to get into smooth talking. Yeah. <laughs> what have been your top takeaways from the pod? And that's uh, also Jared Fenton. 
it's been really interesting to see it develop over time. It's become sort of these interesting explorations into someone's life and learning about, you know, what they've done to be successful within their own field. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, it's been a unique sort of grouping of micro mentoring sessions for me. Mm -hmm. So that's been the biggest takeaway is that each each episode that I've done, I've learned something from the guest. And then that's kind of helped me to evolve and grow in an interesting way. And it's also been I love audiobooks. We we listen to audiobooks a lot. And it's been interesting because that love and passion for audiobooks is kind of a part of hosting the show because it's kind of like I'm listening to an audiobook as I'm interviewing the guest. So that's been the biggest thing is that you know you learn a lot from each person that you meet in life if you really stop and are mindful about what they're saying to you and kind of listen to them and appreciate what their journey has been. Right. Um, second to that, though, has been that all of the people that I've interviewed or all of the people that I should say have been kind enough to give me their time and to sit down and to talk to me on all of these sessions have shown first of all, very positive attitude and mindset. Mm -hmm. And all of them have a growth mindset, all mm -hmm. of them, every single one of them. And there's a certain inherent curiosity. When you to say that. growth mindset, what do you mean by that? They have a curiosity. So they're all very curious about how to do things differently in a weird way. And it's sort of that childlike approach is what I mean by a growth curiosity mindset kind of thing. Y yeah. You know, curiosity for it's difficult because they're all in such different fields. Right. I mean, you have, you know, just to name a few, Tim McDermott of the union, and then you have uh, Justin Weinberg of Alchemy X. Then you have, you know, nonprofit leaders like Martha Sharkey, for example, of today's a good day. Um, uh, Dana Riker Jackson, for example, who runs the Riker Opportunity Institute and who facilitated Leadership Mainline, which was a, a huge influence in my life. And any of the individuals, you know, Nick Mondo, the episode you co-hosted way, way back, if people want to search for that one. All of those guests have the same curiosity, regardless of what their field is. And it's that sort of openness to the experience of life. I'm getting a little uh, on a metaphysical tangent, I guess, here, but you know, a mystical <laughs> tangent. But it, it's that curiosity to to sort of explore and play with things and not be held down or beaten up by a failure um, and to continue to sort of push forward. Uh, Natalie Nixon was a big one as well, because she spoke a lot about how creativity influences mm -hmm. things and how entrepreneurship is very similar to, for example, a jazz musician who's just, you know, creating as they go. Right. And, and that's sort of what I mean. It's being okay with, it's this duality between being comfortable with who you are in the moment and appreciating, you know, all the things that have happened to you to lead you to this point. It, and at the same time, being open to growing into being better. It's a mindset, but it's it's also I think um, and like a, a weird 
itch, like a, a certain, it comes down sometimes to personality too. And just your being interested and wanting to learn about things. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very difficult to explain, but I like to think that there's no right or wrong, right? There's no. Definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, right. It's, it's the failures. There's so many examples of this, right? Like, uh, the Wayne Gretzky quote that you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take or the, you know, Edison with the light bulb, you know, he, he didn't fail a thousand times. He just figured out a thousand ways that didn't work. <laughs> it's up to you to write that script. It's up to you to make the decisions that lead to something unique if you want it to happen. Right. And I think that the popular misconception with a growth mindset or or a positive mindset is that you're not realistic. And that's not true. You can be a realist and still be positive. As a matter of fact, I think that a lot of people that have a positive mindset are true realists because their approach is having a negative mindset does nothing for me. Right. Doesn't add anything. The only thing it does is take away from my opportunity to experience something really cool. Right. And having a positive mindset is more kind of happy go lucky in a way. You know, you just kind of go with the flow and your whole thing is a fascination with the human experience without any judgment or expectation. And right. I think that's the problem is that the people who sometimes are pessimistic or pissed off and don't get me wrong, lots of people have problems or issues or, or are dealing with an illness. So, you know, being real about it is is fine and recognizing it is fine. But it's the difference between, I think in, in Buddhism, they mentioned that the difference between pain and suffering are that pain is what you feel in the moment, like a pinprick, right? And suffering is the story you tell yourself afterwards. It's a choice of staying in, in, in yes. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. If somebody has a, a terminal illness, yeah, that's pretty shitty. But for most of us who, are fortunate enough to be able to go out and do the things that a lot of other people can't, you should appreciate that and appreciate what you have in the moment and kind of allow things to happen and look for opportunities. And that's what I'm talking about, I guess, when I mean a growth mindset. It's they don't let failures bog them down. They don't let, you know, the negative experiences that they've had in life become a crutch. They turn it around. And you hear stories like that all the mm -hmm. time. You know, people who suffer from very significant illnesses or injuries, and it changes their life because they realize that, you know, if they can get past that, they can get past anything right. else. And another learned skill. It's just a matter of wanting to learn it. You yeah. know, it's, 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 it's a choice, just like any other, I suppose. Uh, you can choose to better yourself you can choose to not you can choose to be but it is a choice <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> now going back to you you talked a little bit about entrepreneurship and and uh i know alex um hillman has a really good question about entrepreneurship so let's let's talk about that and alex asks how has your perspective on entrepreneurship changed or been shaped by the 100 lessons so technically 99 lessons <laughs> 
Well, I'm learning one right now. Um, <laughs> Wait, what are you learning right now? <laughs> <laughs> that my wife is way better than me at hosting this podcast. Uh, well, well, hold on. It's a two-parter. He's, uh, he says that he's uh, especially interested about anything that changed your mind and um, what it was that caused the change. Yeah, interestingly... First of all, shout out to Alex Hillman of Indie Hall, huge fan of his. And uh, I've been really fortunate to, again, have him in my circle. He's been on the show. He's been an awesome collaborator and uh, just a great overall human being. So reach out to Alex or check out Indie Hall because they're super cool. Can't say enough uh, good things about Alex. To that end, though, about entrepreneurship and the way that things have changed for me is... The realization that I had a misconception myself about what entrepreneurship truly was and the amount of heavy lift that entrepreneurship is, right? It's just like pushing a boulder uphill and just every single day, kind of some days, you know, it feels like you've got a lot of momentum. And then other days, it just feels like that boulder's fighting you the whole way. And um, out of the 99 lessons, I kind of talked about this briefly. It was this appreciation for people who just won't give up, right? That resilience that comes with being a true entrepreneur, that you're going to face adversity. That's not a question of if, but more so when and how many times. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you can keep finding unique ways to deal with that adversity, sometimes going around it, sometimes having no choice but to go through it or to overcome it. And um, obviously, mental health has become a huge topic of discussion. I learned a lot about myself talking to all of these people. And, you know, I kind of discovered myself and grew with the show as the show grew. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because people on occasion would say, you know, oh, you're an entrepreneurial attorney or you're an entrepreneurial person, or I had opportunities to speak on panels or in front of other groups and stuff like that. And I always thought like, well, no, I haven't really earned that because I would see these other people who had overcome these great obstacles. And, you know, doing a podcast has been an amazing experience and very fulfilling and empowering, but at the same time, kind of pales in comparison to what other people have done. Uh, so learning that it's really not what you see on Instagram, and I know it sounds kind of obvious, but the amount of hard work that it takes, you know, each of these episodes, realistically, especially in the beginning, take an average of like eight to 10 hours Mm -hmm. to pull off, whether it's prospecting the guests, um, researching the guests when they finally say yes. Uh, dealing with people ghosting you and rejecting you because, you know, you're not the right image of what they think an appropriate podcast is for their appearance or whatever. And um, and then recording the show itself and then editing the show. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've been really fortunate because I've had a great team along the way and a good support system. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> along the way. Um but there have been obstacles that have come along, of course, and there have been moments of dealing with people kind of looking at you funny because, you know, you're doing something differently. But yeah, but, you know, you're, you're good at brushing that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's still it's still something to deal with, but it, it, it's 
overcoming those obstacles and learning about the just immense hard work that goes into any endeavor of that size, you know, and, and learning from other people who have done amazing things, you know? So has, is there anything that made you change your mind though about? Yeah. About the image of entrepreneurship. So, you know, I, I think we took entrepreneurship courses at Temple when mm-hmm. we were there. And, you you know, we love Temple, obviously. I would never say anything bad about Temple. And I teach there now. And it's actually something that I impart to the students a lot, or I try to anyways. I hope they they get that, that, you know, you need practical skills, but nothing replaces hard work and right. grit and resilience. And at the end of the day... We're kind of fortunate because when you go to Temple, not taking anything away from any other schools, but that was our experience. It's an urban school and we have that reputation of Mm -hmm. like nobody outsmarts an owl and being hard workers and really, you know, being willing to put in the time and the effort. It's a very diverse group of of students. Yeah. Yeah. And look, the biggest thing that's changed for me, I think, has been... um, learning to kind of be more adaptive, be more of a smooth talker, uh, more, be, <laughs> be more, that better, <laughs> be, be, be a better listener. It's improved my listening skills. Um, and just For everybody be, else, but me. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Well done. Sorry. No, it's, no, it's, I stopped you. I just, you have to, or else I could go on forever. You could go on rambling. The ripcord is stuck on open. You will answer every question without my asking it, which is, <laughs> which Sorry. is pretty good. It's the show host in me. Just... <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's totally fine. So continuing on with uh, Alex's um, questions, uh, he asks another really good question, which is, what do you think is the most surprising difference between the first 10 in the last 10 episodes of your uh, show or last nine, I suppose. How bad I was on the first 10. <laughs> um, yeah. The biggest difference has been probably my interview style. I think, I think the same genuineness to listening to people and of really being interested in somebody's life and like their experiences and stuff like that. But I've gotten better at storytelling myself. Um, a little bit, certainly not perfect, still learning, still making some mistakes, but that has probably been the biggest change has been that I've evolved with the show, but also that the show has kind of evolved itself, that some people who are podcast bookers have actually found the show Mm -hmm. and suggested guests to me, um, which I was looking at the other day and about half of, I think our last 15 or 16 guests were, were sent to us from podcast bookers. So about half of them. And that's been pretty cool. That's been a a neat experience to have, you know, people reach out and say, I have this author or this individual or this entrepreneur. I had a a guest from Belgium that, you know, reached out Jeroen Korthout. And so that's been kind of cool has been to to get that and you know text messages from people who listen to the show um have been really nice that's that's been nice but also i think the so people were listening the last 10 but not the first 10 
No, I, I mean, you know, it's grown, obviously. Just seeing the show evolve and sort of become its own thing and grow and the audience grow and the opportunities that it's led to have been fascinating. And honestly, that was part of the litmus behind starting the show to begin with was, you know, the whole thing began because I thought to myself, I'm an attorney. I'm going to these networking events. There are five or six other paper pushers in the room. And it's literally, you know, go down the line. I'm XYZ Esquire from such and such law firm, four named partners. And, you know, my firm is better than the other guys for this reason. And we're really great at suing the other guy, whatever. Right. And I started to realize that if I wanted to stand out, I had to do something to stand out. And so it evolved from that. And I had been listening to podcasts and thought the barrier to entry wasn't that high. Mm -hmm. You know, the equipment's not insanely expensive to get started, at least. The equipment's evolved as well from 10 to now. Um, Certainly, right? I mean, you know, cameras, lights, uh, nicer microphones, roadcaster, et cetera. Um, But yeah, that was that was the biggest thing that that I think was was seeing it all come to fruition and kind of seeing that that planning and and see that the plan that I had materialize was the cool thing that that happened over the course of the 99 episodes that we did. And the show itself has also evolved significantly. I mean, the format of it changed time after time, and I would kind of you know, look at the metrics and the data and see where you can actually see where listeners kind of trail off. Mm-hmm. And so I would look at that and, and sort of figure out, OK, well, when I'm talking about this particular set of questions or when I'm doing this part of the show, it's not engaging. I'm talking too much. Yeah, it's not engaging people. People are shutting <laughs> off. So I think also seeing podcasting evolve around it as well um, and seeing the medium grow has been an interesting experience. And and that's been the biggest difference was in part that when I got on board with podcasting and at the end of 2018, you know, there were about 250,000 active podcasts Mm -hmm. at the time. And it was this new and evolving medium that had been around since like the mid to late nineties or something along those lines. And kind of being a part of that growth and explosion has also been pretty cool, Mm -hmm. you know, to see that evolve. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you get to kind of be a trailblazer of sorts, kind of get in somewhat early, right? Yeah, Kind of (laughs) early adopter phase, I guess. I think the, in my perspective to add to the, to that question is the difference is actually that you're here, right? The first 10, you're kind of like, I don't know how I'm going to keep this up. I don't know if this <laughs> is going to continue and how I'm yeah. going to survive this and whether or not I'm going to be able to do it. But you have done it. It's been two years. It's been an ongoing weekly thing. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy, a lot of patience and complaining late nights. Sometimes, but, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that you did it is actually, I think, the the largest difference is that you're you learned along the way to get here to to 100 is is huge for anything 
when you start with the first 10 episodes, you really don't know where it's going to go. It's kind of like, let's just see what happens and, and see where this thing goes. And you're kind of, you know, not beaten up yet. (laughs) No, but, um, but yeah, getting to a hundred is, is a pretty cool milestone and I'm interested to see what the next several hold and the difference also was in the show itself and in the planning i guess is the biggest thing right so when you start any endeavor kind of bringing it back full circle to what we were talking about earlier you are sort of trying to plan everything but you don't know what to expect yet right right? you don't know the chaos that's coming and you don't know what you don't know as frequently you'll hear people say And I guess that's the difference now is that I have a lot more expectation of like what the interview should be like and the type of prep that I have to do and that kind of stuff has evolved. And I've gotten sharper, certainly, I think Um, still a long way to go, but you start to get a little bit better at predicting some of the chaos and kind of being able to avoid it or being able to deal with um chaotic things i'll give a little tidbit if the listeners have made it this far i'll check the data later (laughs) to see how far you've gotten um but a little tidbit is that mike and i mike was gracious enough to go with me to heather mitz's house to do the recording of what will be the next episode 101 with heather mitz and we show up to record and and these mic stands and microphones are the ones that I use here at the home studio when I'm doing uh, remote recordings with people over Zoom. But we were fortunate enough that Heather wanted to record live and in person. Of course, we socially distanced and, and kept it safe and wore our masks while we were setting up and stuff. But Mike was gracious enough of 115 Films to come and help me shoot and bring some of his gear as well and stuff. And we're shooting and we show up. Now, mind you, you know, For a shoot like that, when it's on location and we've got to take all this gear with us, you know, three cameras, uh, tripods, lights, microphones, stands, roadcaster, the whole nine yards. The day before is like a nervous, you know, making sure you have everything in your case and everything's laid out. So and I'm pretty that's like one of the few things that I'm kind of neurotic about is not having something Hmm. that I need. Because, like, I'll pack two of things. Makes packing for vacation very challenging. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, you you know that about <laughs> yeah. me. They don't. Um, so I, I take my mics. And, How many and... suits do I need? <laughs> like, I don't know. I do go to Miami. Do you need suits? <laughs> <laughs> A little glimpse into our lives. Um, so I, I take the mics apart and I put them in my case and I'm ready to go and I'm like itemizing everything. And honestly, there's a little adapter that goes into the mic that that makes it so that the threads will work. And I have no idea how I possibly could have taken the mic off of the stand, put it in the case and the adapter goes missing. Mm. So we're at Heather Mitz's house and, you know, surprise, you can't put your microphones on your stands. Wait, all of the adapters. Both microphones were without adapters oh somehow, gosh. and both stands. <laughs> so you know, it's like a momentary, like shit. We're here on the set. Like, what are we gonna do? And so we just look at each other. We have these moments all the time, by the way, Mike and I. It's always like there's always one tiny little thing that you can't plan for, and and we overplay. I mean, we have insane amounts of gear, and um, so there's gaff tape, which is kind of like. 
you know, on set, it's this black tape that you can pretty much tape, you know, your wires down right. or whatever, and it won't really damage anything. So you can use it a lot. And so we just look at each other and we're like, we'll just gaff tape them. So if you go and you watch that episode on YouTube, you can see the mics are like attached to the stands by gaff, by copious amounts of gaff tape. So in other words, you've learned pretty much nothing. Exactly right. <laughs> Long story short, Alex, at I've the, learned nothing. At the 100th episode, you've learned to forget everything you need. Yeah, right. Forget the one thing that you need, which is the adapters. Yeah, so, again, though, you deal with the chaos better. I, I think if that were episode yeah. 11, I'd be sweating bullets and like, you know, shit, I just screwed this up in front of, you know, a, a potentially big guest. and. Right. Um, three-time Olympic gold medalist. Like, she's got no room for this kind of failure, people. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, you just, it, it, it was more like there was no freak out. It was just like, yeah, we'll just gaff tape them. And we gaff taped and we moved on. And, and that's, you know, that also kind of makes it fun, though, at times, right? Yeah, but it's... Because you discover new things. You learn, it's actually, it's it's how you evolve as a human, not just in the podcast, but right. overall as a person. You, you learn to be calmer, to deal with problems a little bit more patiently, not letting the anger boil like, yeah. unnecessarily. Yeah so, yeah, so there you go. The podcast has led you here literally <laughs> and figuratively. Led me to zen. <laughs> the beginnings. <laughs> well. Anyone that knows you is probably curious about this, um, <clears throat> except for me, because I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so Jared asks, how did you develop such a uh, such skill as a host? It seems that you can talk about anything. How do you keep improving your skills now? Um, and I think you touched on improving skills. So right. <laughs> so don't, don't ramble about, about that, that one. Got it. <laughs> but uh, um, how can you talk about anything? I just have this like endless curiosity and thirst for knowledge and new things. I think they call it ADHD in the medical community. Uh, it's that it's this like genuine wanting to learn about everything and everyone. And it kind of leads to, you know, listening to insane amounts of audiobooks and all of that stuff. I mean, you mentioned in the beginning, I know I wrote the the intro <laughs> bio. You're not Spoil, supposed to. Spoiler alert. <laughs> You're not supposed to, to say that. I'm pulling the curtain back <laughs> for everybody to see behind the, uh, you know. How big of a, of a head do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I was an auto mechanic, an auto technician out of high school. Um, I went to a magnet school before that. I went to Central High School. So... I was a bartender for a while. I was in retail sales, went on to law school. ADHD. Yes, yeah, severe ADHD. And but in some ways, you know, the interesting thing is that what seems like would be an incredible uh, weakness and massive hurdle to overcome. And at times it is. There are daily struggles with it. Um can sometimes be an advantage. You just need mm -hmm. to look for the way to kind of turn the tables on that. And the advantages of that is that my mind just races and makes connections of like mm -hmm. weird things that no one else would think to connect like double Dutch and networking or, you know, that kind of thing. 
And you just take all your experiences and kind of learn from them and, and assimilate them into your discussions. And that's it. It's just that I'm super curious about everything. And, um, you know, uh, I'll see somebody doing something, as you know, like I just started making pizzas with the big green egg mm-hmm. and uh, I just have my hobby is keeping hobbies, I yeah. guess. It's side hustle upon side hustle, I guess. Um, on the downside. That's the negative side. On the downside, there are many things in our home that <laughs> Yeah, we have a collection of... Uh, hey, well, here's a, the fun stuff. thing, a little fun, fun story about how you work and how your brain works. You get so excited and so interested in something new and learning about it that he goes above and beyond usually with it and one 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 of the more recent stories is how you ordered enough yeast to make pizza (laughs) to support maybe the entire military i don't know for the next year (laughs) we have a lot of dry active yeast yes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Lots of it. It was, um, but, but yes, that's true. You'll get very curious about many things and it's. And then I immerse myself in it. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> when I started the podcast, same thing. I just listened to every audiobook I could find about it or other podcasts that talked about it. And just that constant thirst for knowledge and for learning has led to a lot. And then, you know, I'm really fortunate that I have a great friend and mentor mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and we'll kind of keep mysterious for the listeners. So they'll keep tuning in in case I talk <laughs> about him again. Um, who's been a massive influence in my life. Yeah. And, you know, that's a lot of the stuff that we talk about, like philosophy and Taoism and Buddhism and, uh, martial arts and, um, game strategy and pattern recognition and all of these things. And that kind of leads to knowledge about different things. You know, at times you might flub something as well. So again, that sort of uh, childlike uh, appreciation for learning as well, where you're not constantly worried about whether or not you'll say something stupid. And sometimes you do, but you just kind of go with the flow. There's an upside and there's a downside to everything in life, every decision, every yeah. personality trait, every anything. So it that's the upside. Right. <laughs> there are some downsides. Lots I mean, of them. But that's okay. That's the whole point, I think. You yeah. know, I, I, it's just about navigating life in, in that way and figuring out the best way for you. Kind of keeping it with the... Um, in the same uh, uh, lines of how you can talk about anything. Someone, uh, I think it was also Jared, uh, asked if you have any health tips or life hacks, I suppose, that you use. Um, but this is a very lengthy question. You could probably do <laughs> seminars on it. So, so I don't know how in-depth we should get with this, but maybe just a few. Yeah, well, that's one of my big hobbies that i spend a lot of time on right actually in the room that we're in there's like uh tai chi books and stuff about uh studying herbalism and all sorts of stuff uh (laughs) lying around all around us um yeah there there are a few that i'll share that are are big ones in our life uh should i spoil jared's next question about the elderberry drink or should i just jump right into that one <laughs> well <laughs> i don't know if you want to give the recipe on air but 
Yeah, I can. This isn't medical advice, obviously, so use common sense. Not doctors here, um, if you're listening to this. Uh, but so proceed with caution if you're going to try this. Talk to your own healthcare professionals. But um, one of the things that we do in the winter months or cold and flu season, and now especially with COVID-19 being such an issue, um, aside from being careful and wearing our masks and and at times even wearing gloves to protect ourselves. So yeah. PSA, wear your goddamn masks if you're out there maskless right now. Um, but one of the things that we do do is I make this elderberry drink. And I don't really remember how I stumbled across the recipe. If you look up elderberry syrup on the internet, you know, on Google, you can find various recipes. And ours has evolved over many, many years, but we routinely don't get sick, right? Many years now that we don't really get colds or flus. And largely... I think it's attributed to the fact that we eat healthy and on occasion we'll have a cheesesteak or some great mm-hmm. pizza out of a big green egg <laughs> made by That's yours still truly. pretty healthy, I think. Yeah. Homemade pizza with lots of dry active yeast. Um, <laughs> if anyone needs dry active yeast, it'll <laughs> be a giveaway with this episode. Um, no, joking aside. So... There's this elderberry recipe that we make, and it's evolved over years. Um, and I'll give away roughly what the recipe is. But basically, it's dried elderberries, cinnamon sticks, uh, cloves, whole cloves, mm-hmm. and ginger, fresh, raw ginger. And you put all the, you bring a, a large stock pot to, to a boil, to a rolling boil. Dump in your elderberries, you know, a handful of elderberries, handful of ginger, several cinnamon sticks, and, you know, maybe uh, half a tablespoon of whole cloves, all natural. And you bring that to a boil and then... Elderberries are known to be um, immune boosters is what I meant to say. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. They were elderberries were traditionally used by the Native American. We peoples. found this at Whole Foods many years ago. It was supposed to be a right. remedy for, for cold and flu season. And that's how we came across the whole elderberry. Yeah, idea. that might have been I don't know if that was before or after the recipe, but you're right. It I was mean, before. Yeah. We used to buy Yeah, the, if you go to Whole Foods today, there's yeah. a whole aisle of elderberry supplements, Sambucus supplements and elderberry stuff that you huh. can buy, yeah. syrups and and as a natural cold remedy, it's really more of a preventative, first of right. all. So it's you a know, immune booster, like yeah. So or it just makes you believe, and you're better. For positive it. mindset, it helps. <laughs> that does help, by the way. Yeah. But so that that is a hack, first of all, is keeping a positive mindset, right? And um, you know, my new thing, and people may think that this is weird, but hey, judge me, judge me, or don't judge me, whatever. This is what I'm doing, and I'm sharing it with you. So. My new thing, and again, you know this because I've been trying to get you to do it as well, is to literally tell myself that, Mm. you know, as a mantra, when I wake up every day, because we're all kind of going through low-level anxiety because of COVID-19. and high-level for me. You you hear someone cough in your vicinity. (laughs) I was at the the wine store today because, you know, we're going to have my parents over. We're having a small Thanksgiving, but we're having my, my dad over, and it's his... 80th birthday that we're celebrating. So I went to get a nice, you know, wine and and a nice um, 
bottle to give him as a gift as well. And I was in the liquor store and I was kind of browsing and I heard somebody cough and I was like, I am checking out right now <laughs> with whatever I've got. That's what I'm taking with me. No more browsing. So look, we're all going through that. And I think that, you know, to a degree, we, we've listened to audiobooks recently and I don't remember the title. Maybe you will where they talk about how if you think of disease as dis-ease, your body and your mind and your system is out of ease, mm -hmm. right, is uncomfortable, negative mindset leads to that. And having a positive mindset really helps. And again, you know, we can have an argument or a discussion about what's real and to me, what's real is what works for you. Like, for example, you know, somebody saying a mantra over and over and convincing themselves that that's going to prevent right. them from getting sick. I, I'm not saying that that by itself is the thing that's going to prevent you right. from getting sick. But I'm saying that it also doesn't hurt right. to have a positive mindset and to wake up every morning and to say, I'm happy, I'm healthy, and no disease could live within my system. Right. And that's part of it, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then it's an affirmation of sorts. An affirmation of sorts. And again, I'm not at all espousing that that in and of itself is the ultimate healer cure-all. But I'm saying that as part of a healthy lifestyle, taking care of your mental health and trying to have a positive mindset is part of, you know, a holistic approach to trying to stay healthy. Right. Don't get me wrong. If I got COVID-19 or if I got very, very ill, I would go to the hospital or I would go seek medical treatment. But fortunately, you know, we do our best to be preventative right. rather than to have to deal with it. Right. And the elderberry syrup is a part of that. And so it's not really a syrup. I'd say it's more of a tonic now. Mm -hmm. um, so it's elderberries, cloves, uh, ginger cinnamon bark or cinnamon um cinnamon sticks uh i've now added gynostemma tea so you can go and look that up again on google do your research there's a great tea that we drink from a company called dragon herbs which mm -hmm. has a lot of great herbal treatments inclusive of of teas and it's called spring dragon mm -hmm. right the tea that we drink and that has astragalus gynostemma and some other things All in immune it. boosting type of yeah. Uh, things. Yeah, plants. So gynostemma tea. So we've added that to the tonic now. Um, astragalus root, mm -hmm. which is also a very good immune booster. Um, white peony root, which is also good as a tea. You can find the, the dried roots as yeah, a tea. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it, it sounds all, it all probably sounds very strange, but the thing about it is we take supplements that we buy that are supposed to be good for this sure. and for that. If you look at the ingredients, sometimes that's what's in them. Yeah, um, right. I mean, that's kind of where it all came from. The original recipe, the first four ingredients that I mentioned were the original recipe that you can Google and find online. Um, I think wellnessmama or something.com has it was originally where I got it. Um, so anyways, you bring that all to a boil, you make this tonic, you, you let it simmer for several hours until it reduces to about half. Then you strain it. We strain it into, uh, ball jars. yeah, ball jars, large ball jars. And then we just keep it in the fridge. I also, I add honey to it, by the way, after, while it's still hot and you've strained it into your ball jar, then 
you know, a full tablespoon of uh, a natural honey of your choice. So that's that's the elderberry mm. recipe. And it has evolved um, and we keep it in the fridge. And then, you know, on a daily basis, we'll do maybe what? Shots, four shots, ounces. Shots, 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 shots. We'll do about four ounces or so in a tall glass of water yeah. mixed. And that's, you know, like what we have with dinner or whatever on a daily basis. It helps. And so that's one. Um, for those of you out there who are suffering from ADHD or some other form of mental anxiety, again, seek your own medical treatment. But holistically speaking, a diffuser with lavender essential oil can be very helpful. Uh, vetiver is particularly good, vetiver essential oil, um, to help you to focus. So that is a good one that that I'll do on pretty much a daily basis. Um, the diffuser? Yeah, and the diffuser. But the vetiver and the lavender for uh, attention deficit disorder or uh, ADHD is very helpful. Um, there are some other things that you can do as well for ADHD, but uh, I don't know that I want to go into the the shake and all that stuff that that we do on a daily I basis. I mean, I I would imagine meditation once you can actually hammer it down because that's the difficult part of it for for someone with ADHD is that yeah. actually sitting down and quieting the mind is <laughs> is completely counter to what it does normally. But I would imagine if you can actually do that and develop that habit slowly, you know, a minute, two minutes, yeah. just build up on it. And I speak from experience of meditation um, that you do get to a certain point with it, that it stops being just a tedious and like, why am I doing this? I don't understand what the benefit is. I, you know, I can't sit still. My mind is racing. I'm thinking about everything I have to do. Like, why am I just sitting here? But you do get to a point there are good days and bad days. That's just how it is. But you do get to a point where you find a certain bliss because you can silence your mind and you can actually shut it off and you can tell it, you know, to be quiet, which is really the problem with, with why we get so overwhelmed. We are actually, if you pay attention to when you're overwhelmed, it's usually when you're overthinking about things and you're just, your mind is racing and running and you're thinking about the worst case scenarios all the time. Um, but if you learn to kind of set your own triggers, um, through meditation, but also just to kind of be aware of it and, and take a step back and take your, your breathing, right. There's the six second inhale, six second exhale. If you do that for a little while, mm -hmm. it actually soothes the mind and calms you down a little bit. Um, anyways, but I'm answering your questions. No, <laughs> I, actually, I'm glad you brought this up because that is a big one. I, I think, um, we're hippies, apparently. No, I don't, I don't. I wouldn't say that, but you know, maybe. I don't know. It's Fashionable all, hippies. It's all good, but hippies nonetheless. Yeah, no, not yet. No. Um, back know. to the meditation. Your your the tangent thing is rubbing off. Apparently. Um, back to the meditation. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that is a big one, and I would lightly encourage anyone who's listening or watching and has made it this far to um to consider it and to kind of be curious and explore it uh you talked about you know shutting your mind off and first of all i think just to demystify by the way we've done episodes on uh 
mindfulness-based stress relief with Tigo Malley. You should go back and listen to that one. Really, really great mm-hmm. episode where he gives you really practical advice. Um, there have been others as well, but that one in particular stands out. And we will do more in that space. So that's that's something that's coming. Um, spoiler alert. I'm <laughs> yeah, answering well, another question. Yes, you that, are. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get there. We'll get there. But g- focusing on meditation. Um, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> ironically. <laughs> uh, everyone's experience is a little bit unique, right? And uh, thank you for sharing yours, by the way, though. And I, I think we can kind of talk about that a little bit if you want. But um For me, interestingly, because I have ADHD and to your point, you know, I have a hard time getting through five minutes, 10 minutes of of meditation, right? Depending, there are some days that are better than others, but it's kind of like going to the gym in a way, right? You just keep going and you keep putting your reps in. Yeah. And I think the important thing really, and this is just me, so, you know, I'm not judging anyone, but um, the important thing is to just sit there and experience whatever comes and do your best not to judge it. Mm -hmm. Because for the interesting thing is that for you, meditation really doesn't fulfill you unless it's longer. Right. right? And almost from the beginning, like you dove right Right, into 20 minute, 30 minute, 40 minute meditation. Well, I actually struggled with the short ones in the beginning and I just thought, my gosh, this isn't for me. I don't understand what the point of this is. It's, you know, I'm sitting here for five minutes, but nothing's getting it. Yeah. Like nothing's happening. And I'm just annoyed and frustrated that I don't want to be here. Um, And then one day I just tried, you know, it was actually, I actually don't know when I did it. The first time, but I was probably very overwhelmed or something. I don't know. And I decided I'm going to just try a long one and kind of try to relax myself because I was very flustered or um, having maybe a bad day. And after doing, I think it was a 20 minute, maybe somewhere around there. And I got up from it and I just felt completely different. And I think for me, that was the game changer was to realize like, Personally, I need to commit more time to get the benefit. I mean, now because you get you do it more and more often and you get more and more used to it, you train yourself to calm yourself down a lot sooner. You you kind of can tell there are days where I know it's not gonna work. Like I will not be able to get into any kind of um calming or soothing type of thing because no matter what I'm doing and how long I'm sitting there, my mind will not stop. Um, and I think it comes down to just it's one of those days, maybe I have too much adrenaline in my system that's not allowing me to calm down or whatever it is. And, and that's OK. Part of that is actually being aware of it, too. That is meditating, actually, is being aware of the fact that, you know what, I'm amped up. I'm sitting here and it's just not. And that's OK. I, you know, either I sit through it and yeah. deal with it or um, I don't. I get up and, and, you know, try this again later kind of thing. Yeah, true meditation, I think, is or has been described to me, I should say, and it was very enlightening when it was described this way, is awareness of the present moment Mm -hmm. without judgment. Right. That's meditation. And another way to think about it is if you were sitting on the beach just watching waves come in and then roll out, come in and then roll out, that's like your thoughts. Right. Like they come and then they go and then Mm -hmm. they come and then they go. And if you just sit there and you watch them come and go. And just. Let it happen. Right. And don't try to fight it or don't try to go in and chase a wave. 
then things are fine. Like you, you can settle, but that's the thing, right? I think Headspace does a great job. If you um, Google or go on YouTube and look up Headspace's videos on explaining meditation, they do a pretty good job of putting it into a visual format. But for me, for example, box breathing has been very much a game changer. Box breathing, for those of you who don't know what it is, is you breathe in for three seconds, for example, hold for three seconds, breathe out for three seconds, and then hold for another three, and then repeat. And that's why it's called box breathing. And for me, when I started doing box breathing, it just like instantly calmed my mind down. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's not that it's stopping the thoughts or emptying my mind. It's just that you can feel sort of going into this sort of more alpha state uh, of brain waves. And that's really what it comes down to is that your brain operates on these different wavelengths. Most people are beta, for example, beta brain waves throughout the day. That's the frequency that your brain is operating on. And you can actually experience alpha brain waves just by literally shutting your eyes for a couple seconds. And that actually increases your alpha brainwave activity and and reduces the other brainwave activity and can give you a sense of calm. So mindfulness meditation, whether it's a guided meditation or counting your breaths or or something like that, guided is usually pretty helpful. Like a body scan that's maybe like eight minutes long is usually pretty good. And that's like a nice sweet spot, I think, that most people can, can get into. I think three or five isn't gonna be enough to really help you to build the habit like eight ten ten minutes but it might be a good way to experience it to start to understand how it could be beneficial yeah because the idea is sometimes a minute makes a difference just kind of like take a minute to breathe you know like a deep breath because we often don't deep breathe deep and then actually it amps you up more because you're taking very shallow breaths but if you kind of catch yourself like i'm i'm amped up what's happening I don't know what's happening right now, but all I have is a minute to just do something. Breathe deep. It makes a huge difference. Well, another thing is that people, I think especially in in our society, (laughs) (laughs) people in our society um, have the tendency to mouth breathe and to breathe very shallowly. And both of those things are pretty bad to begin with. So, you know, taking nice, full, deep breaths into your belly is a good thing for you. It's very nourishing and can be fulfilling. And then believe it or not, your uh, carbon carbon dioxide to oxygen ratio in your lungs can get thrown off because you're, you're breathing either too much volume, what they call too much tidal volume, or breathing too many times, like your frequency of your breath per, per minute is too much. So read the book breath yeah that's a a great yeah great great book book. um yeah highly recommend that book and there you go that's where like we get this stuff that we talk about is just we expose ourselves to it we listen to audiobooks we take in a lot of information from different sources and then figure out what works for you Mm -hmm. yeah well, there's lots of life hacks. I mean, maybe we'll yeah, we, we can, can be do here forever. A whole I mean, episode, yeah, two well, or three, maybe. Well, so just the two things that I would say, aside from the meditation, um, the the two quick things that that we do that help us to maintain our immunity is from Dragon Herbs. Even though you know we got no skin in that game, if you're listening, we'll take the sponsorship though. <laughs> um, 
the spring dragon tea mm-hmm. is very good as a preventative. Again, this is not the stuff you want to be doing when you're sick. Now it's too late. Right. Um, that and they also have a supplement product called Supreme Protector, which we take uh, regularly as well. That's that's a good one. That helps boost your immune system also. Yeah. Um, Dragon herbs, if you're listening, hook me up. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's a lot. There's a lot that we do. And I think it, it's it's like you were saying, it's a combination of just all of it. It's not we're not going to say do this and you all of a sudden there's some miracle that happens and you have to put in the work but it's also it's a lifestyle change i think that's what it, what we have to kind of at the end of the day is, yeah. is the little things um that you the little steps that you take to become um better yeah. i mean it's not there's no one answer to anything it's you gotta yeah it's a lifestyle change you're right so I think at this point we've talked enough and it's time to wind down the episode or we will stay here all night. Um, well, so. we live here, though. So, <laughs> Well, we do live here, but not in this But they room. don't live here. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, we had to bring in the dog beds so that they could actually be with us right. as we recorded this. Yeah. Uh, but so lastly... Let's end the episode by asking, where do you see self-made strategies going? That's an interesting question because I don't know how much I really want to tell. But Ah. um, there are definitely some new improvements coming. Um, New and improved. New and improved self-made strategies. Well, I think to a degree, this is a question I've asked myself, actually. You know, like you're approaching the 100th episode and... It's not a, a catastrophic milestone. There are certainly podcasts with thousands of episodes out there and stuff like that. But, but you know, personal milestone, it's, it's certainly pretty cool and very grateful for everybody that's listened and, and that's been a supporter of the show in any way. Uh, Chris in the background has been awesome and a huge help. Uh, Sophia as well has been a, a massive help as well. Mike Leary, you... Um, he had to say you that. as in Sarah, my <laughs> wife, my lovely wife had to say it, right? <laughs> I think it was, it was written in my script for yeah. those of you who aren't watching on YouTube. Um, the dogs, the dogs, who else do I got to thank? My um, parents, this is like when you ask her, you just go through the whole list. I'm seeing the red light flashing already. Um, so one of the things I'd really like to do is come up with a concept that adds more value into people's Mm -hmm. lives. Um, One of the things that I've loved about this show has been learning from other people. And that was the idea behind the show. And it still is to Mm -hmm. a degree. But I think more thematic episodes, I'm thinking about doing a new concept that might be a mixed batch of interviews, discussions, Sometimes just me in uh, a dark room rambling about her herbs <laughs> or <laughs> meditation or uh, Tai Chi or um, other stuff like that. Uh, so there's a new evolution that's coming for sure. Uh, but I haven't decided on the format 100 percent. That's OK. And that's part of it. I mean, part of the excitement. Yeah. Part of the excitement not only for the listeners, but for me, is that discovery and that curiosity of seeing kind of 
you can't really control, you know, full on where things are going to go, how they're going to happen. So I think part of it is planning it and then letting it find letting you. it find itself and, and find me. So there are definitely changes coming to the show more focused on adding a lot of value to the listener into hopefully building more of this knowledge base mm -hmm. of, you know, skill sets of tactics, of strategies, of life hacks, of um, practices that could improve your life or improve your health. Uh, one of the things I've always wanted to do is support uh, educational growth. Um, you know, I support College Possible certainly as a, a nonprofit and believe a lot in their mission, largely because they support students who are coming from disadvantaged backgrounds. So supporting the community, supporting students, uh, I hope I'm doing that while I'm teaching at Temple as well. That's that's been um a huge blessing in my life. I and told him it's just through his looks. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that. Um, you know, it's really nice though, when you, when you hear a student say that you've impacted them in any right. way and, and that is really the fulfillment and that's really the experience that I've had teaching at Temple and at the Fox School of Business. And right. it's kind of surreal in a way, right? Cause we went there and then to be back on, on the other side, there's some new stuff obviously that's coming out that I'm not going to release yet. But um, you'll hear about it on the show when we're ready to do that. It is coming for sure uh, in 2021, early 2021. And we're really psyched about it. And mm -hmm. uh, that's not directly related to self-made strategies, but, but um, it is in a way. But it's an evolution of that. And, right. you know, going back to some of the questions that you asked today and, and to kind of wrap it up, that that is it. That's that's the the coolest thing that has happened out of all of this was this like random curiosity that you know i didn't know if it was going to be successful or not like you said and and whether or not you know things were going to evolve or get to 100 episodes or i didn't know if we were going to get 25 guests or what was going to happen and it's just constantly throwing new things at me and and new opportunities have come out of the podcast that never would have happened had I not, you know, turned on the mic and hit record the first time. And it was a, it. a happy kind of thing to stumble upon that brought in a great majority of your interests and your, your personality together. Yeah. Because you're very outgoing and you love to talk to people and you love to learn. You also like to challenge yourself and you right. like to kind of prove to yourself that you can do something. Um, yeah. So I think it was just kind of one of these aha things where we finally find something that's our calling or something that we really enjoy yeah. doing or something that really kind of sets a little fire under our our selves. Yeah. So. One thing to kind of tie it all together as well. And again, you know this about Sarah knows this about me, but now the listeners will know this about me. I constantly consider myself a very lucky person, mm -hmm. constantly. You'll hear me say it often if you're around me that I'm just a lucky guy and I consider myself very lucky. And the funny thing is that because I consider myself lucky, 
He luck, gets lucky things. Luck happens. <laughs> That's kind of the interesting yeah. dichotomy. And maybe there's a little yin yang in there, a little Taoism. There's something to it, but haven't put my finger on it yet. But certainly that's something that I would advise people is start to consider yourself lucky and see how things change. They do change. They, mm-hmm. they will change. Things will happen differently. Um, you know, I constantly, constantly, constantly try to pick up lessons from anybody that I come across. Right. One of our very close friends once uh, showed us that she pays attention to what people's names are. And she would go out of their way, right. out of her way to ask someone what their name is, right. whether it's, you know, waitress at a restaurant, a waiter, waitress at a restaurant, um, you know, somebody, the, the person checking you out at the store, whatever. Mm-hmm. And by the way, a lot of times they're wearing a name tag. And just as an experiment, you know, those who are listening, next time you're checking out from your supermarket or whatever, say thank you and call the person by their name. Right. And just watch how their face lights up. Right. Acknowledging your fellow person. Yeah, exactly. That's that's that genuineness that I was talking about earlier. And that's something that's a really useful tool and you'll see how much better you get treated like a VIP just because you go out of the way to ask somebody their name, smile, ask them how their day is going, take a second to ask them. Yeah. You know, we're recording this right before Thanksgiving. I was at the the liquor store, like I said, buying wine and uh, the woman that was checking me out, her name was Gina. There you go. See, I remember. And I just said, Hey, Gina, thank you very much, you know, for just the interaction. And, you know, she was doing doing her thing. And I just asked her, like, are you doing anything for Thanksgiving? And I just took a moment to ask her a question about mm-hmm. her. And she talked about what she was doing, that she was actually going to work because the overtime money would be worth it. And her mom was going to cook and she was going to go. She'd be able to work and then go hang out with her mom. I remembered all of this just from that, you know, small interaction. I was clearly listening to her. Right. right. Unlike he does with me. Stop it. (laughs) And uh, what did you just say? (laughs) And um, but it's that 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 is the game changer. Yeah. If you want one secret, one takeaway to take out of this, it's that it's just go forth and be genuinely kind to one another and just through your mask because you should be wearing your mask listen to other people and just just take a second especially to engage now. with them. i mean especially now with oh, yeah. the things as they are and you know people who are working that you have to interact with at a supermarket or you know home depot or wherever we're going i mean everyone is so frustrated and scared yeah. and you know show them that you care that you appreciate that they do that job that they're there and you can count on the fact that they're there to do it i think it's so important and so polite um kindness just goes such a long way it is not just a cliche and it is not just you know it, it, it really does it goes such a long way uh just acknowledging people and being genuine with them and just own your own shit you know what i mean like if you do something if you mess up 
just apologize for it. Yeah, we could say, do a whole episode on that. I got, yeah, I got a lot to, to talk <laughs> no, about that. No, I don't mean it that way. I mean that, you know, actually learning how to accept that that's an okay Accountability. thing. Accountability. Yeah. yeah, and how freeing it is. We're all so terrified yeah. of, of admitting that we made a mistake. But when you do, the freedom that you get from admitting it, from apologizing to someone, from acknowledging that you're you're only yeah. human, sure, there's so much freedom in it, and so much like, like you kind of let go of this heavy weight that you've been carrying because you're afraid of, of what when you admit that you're well, it's not the whole like imposter syndrome and and you know this social media heavy culture that we're in and just focusing on the wrong things at times. Yeah. It's all of those things. And look, at the end of the day, just saying people's names. Actually, that's something I employ even while I'm teaching a lot is I'll try to. I'll try to politely, of course, include the students in like funny hypotheticals like, you know, it's I teach intellectual property law and entertainment law separately, two separate classes. And so I'll work out like, you know, in IP law, if we're talking about, you know, some negotiation of an IP agreement or something, I'll make a funny hypothetical about how I'm going to use uh, Sonya's. I don't have a Sonya in my class, so I'll use Sonya. Sonya's. Um, I'm going to buy Sonya's Ferrari from her and I'll use it. <laughs> See, you're laughing. I'll do something ridiculous like that. But. And, you know, I'm not doing it in that cheesy, like old school. I'm calling on you to make sure you're paying attention. Like, that's not what it's this about. This is how dad jokes develop, though. <laughs> it is how dad jokes develop. I, I got, I'm pretty solid with the dad jokes. <laughs> yes, you are. That is the, but it makes me laugh. That is where the smooth talker comes from. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're, you're. that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. This has been a very, very productive and <laughs> <laughs> long episode, but also a very important one, at least for us, at least for Tony, Thanks. in, in yeah. celebrating Thank such a huge milestone. Really, congratulations. I'm very proud of you. Um, and uh, well, we'll have to wait to see what's coming next and all these new adventures potentially. And maybe uh, we'll get into more life hacks in the future, which you'll see. Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> wow, it's been a pleasure. I think that's the that's what's going to happen, is I'll just take over the You've show. You've got a new host. I, I called it at the beginning of this episode. My job is done. I'm gone. Well, we're all very, uh, I think, um, proud of you. Thanks. Any, any of your listeners and your friends are very excited for you that you've reached this huge milestone. Um, so congratulations. And a special thank you to um, the people who submitted the questions that I asked. And that was Alex Hillman of Indy Hall, Jared Fenton of the Reflect Organization, and Mike Leary of 115 Films. And uh, I'll catch you guys later. <laughs> this is Sarah Lopes, the missus. And hopefully we'll do this again.